Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan, and you're joining me today for a conversation with Adam Caesar, author of the Clown in a Cornfield series, Video Night, the Dark Crystal Bestiary, the Dead Mall comic series, and the newly released Audible original, Influencer, which released November 2nd and is available right now to Audible subscribers. Adam, it's so good to have you back on. Oh, it's so good to be on, Evan. Thank you. Of course. Uh, you, you, are, you are really busy with so many projects. Like, I just listed a few. I mean, I listed a Dark Crystal thing because I'm just a massive Dark Crystal fan. I've got the bestiary on my coffee table. Uh, it's it's important. <laughs> it's, it's, it really ties the whole room together. But I'm curious, you know, you got so much going on. Do you, do you have time to read for pleasure right now? Are you reading anything in your in your spare time? Um, I'm, I'm forcing myself. I, for, I force myself. I read before bed. It actually really helps and centers me. And I do a lot of um, I do a lot of audiobooks. Like it's a I really I find that it helps me bump up my the amount I'm reading. Where if like if I'm driving my kid to school or something like that, if I can pop on uh, audio, um, you know, I'm just getting getting through more things. Um, I'm reading. There's like there's like this whole new wave of like extreme horror that I feel like we're both on TikToks. So we see a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And I and it's and it's people that I've met and really like in person, but I haven't read their books. So I'm I'm actually going through a bunch of. Uh, those now I'm reading uh, Chris Triana's uh, Gone to See the River Man, which I, I, I'm I'm really really enjoying. I mean, I can see why um, it's acclaimed. I just had Chris Triana on here a few weeks, uh, like a couple months ago. Man, he's such a nice guy. It was such an awesome interview. He's such a and, sweetie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. He's just he's like this giant, like bearded yeah. extreme horror author, and he's a yeah. big teddy bear. He's so nice. Like the the whole conversation was so pleasant, and like this this wave that you're talking about of extreme horror like i can only take a little bit of it like i read a couple or and then i take a break for a little while but um man there's some really hard hitting themes that, yeah. that are so effectively done with like this spectacle of all this extremity like it's it's really cool yeah it is it is and it's it's it's, it's, it's weird that it comes in waves because like and it's also like kind of what got me into and and in like a middle schooler it was like it was stephen king and all like the kind of typical horror things to go to and then and i i feel like sometime in high school i chanced onto a jack ketchum book and it kind of became the the mode i was reading in i i think that those kinds of books like they're definitely it's like i, I i'm friends with people on on TikTok who it's like all they read you know yeah. And it's like, man, like I would need a palate cleanser up in there yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I skip, I skip out on like even with heart, even with genre. Like I don't, I try not to read genre all the time, and I do need. I feel like I, I, I like, I like read a, I read like War, Warhammer tie-in novels to kind of like uh, <laughs> disengage completely from the genre and then kind of come back to it. You know, like that's, I think, that's I think, a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So exactly, I'm, I'm, I think the palate cleanser thing is definitely uh, needed. Are you that way with uh, with like movies too? Because you're you're a big like horror movie buff as well. Like, do you need that kind of? Okay, I need to watch an episode of SpongeBob or something like after that. It's interesting because I'm I'm very omnivoracious. With movies, I'm more omnivoracious, even though it doesn't look like it behind me. It's like all horror movies, but like um, I, I with movies, I'm more omnivoracious. I feel like than as a reader, I would say no. I don't normally have to like have palate cleansers because I'm just naturally watching different stuff, but. I will say we just got out of uh, October and I feel like for October when everyone does like the, the only watch, you know, watch a horror movie a day kind of challenge thing, which I, I can never keep up with that uh, rate. But I like I do try to only watch horror in October because I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to get myself in a spooky mindset. And I find like towards the end, I'm like, man, I want to throw in a, a Kung Fu movie or, uh, or a Pixar movie or something like that. You know, like uh, it, just because just because it does feel 
like I'm uh, I'm watching a lot of horror. Um, so only one month of the year that I feel that um, I would say with movies. Yeah, you've got this new book that just came out. It's called Influencer, and I gotta say, it, you know, uh, it hit a little close to home for me because <laughs> I, for anybody that's that's listening and you want to go listen to this, which you should because the the production is awesome. Uh, if I mean, if, like I said in the intro, like if you have an Audible subscription, you can just go listen to it. Um, but it's it's about. Man, it's so <laughs> that first chapter really just man, it it, it really hits you over the head, and, <laughs> and then you've got like yeah. this kind of the the story about a an, a mysterious influencer who is gaining rapidly in popularity. He, he wears a mask. It, he's it's very dark, and there's a lot of people in the in, in like high school age that you know we've got the the other POV chapters from one of these high school age people who. They, they they realize that this person has just checked in uh, their location in the area that they're going to school man it, it is so it is so intense in the very beginning and then i love how you kind of like reel it back we're, we're, we're exploring this high school situation but yeah. the entire time what i love so much about it is that you got a pov from the i guess antagonist i would i would say antagonist he feels like an he's antagonist. not a good, good guy he's not a good guy <laughs> and like and, and i really like that mixture you know because like, i think that with a lot of like slasher type stuff or with this kind of story um you know you're seeing uh how how the the, the victims or maybe the the would-be victims or not yet victims are seeing this all play out with this mysterious person but you kind of went or went around that and did a pov from the influencer yes. uh who is i'm only about halfway through it right now but i have i don't i don't like being in this guy's head yeah <laughs> it's no, he's, really he's uncomfortable and I, and I think yeah part of that's me and then part of that's the performance of uh, christopher briney um from the summer i turned pretty reads those sections it's a it's we pitched this book as a book like you know and it, and it is a book and that was like when audible showed interest that was kind of my first interaction with them uh, was you know, like a nice getting to know you meeting and it basically was like I know they do a lot of things that are more like audio dramas and then things that are serialized kind of as podcasts when they do the audible originals and then they have like ones that are straight kind of books and that was my my desire I was like well I would like to keep it as, as feeling like uh like a book but it's just split narrative like it's it's 50 percent um Aaron the bad guy and 50 percent Crystal played by Isabella Merced those sections are read by Isabella Merced there's like minimal sound effects and stuff like that, that and, and music and stuff, which really helps, but it's not like, it's not like a, a teleplay or anything like that. So I, I think that's part of that immersion is I, I wanted that. I wanted almost half the, the pitch was like, oh, it's YA American Psycho meets YA Silence of Lambs. When we switch between like Patrick Bateman and we switch between Clarice, almost, I wanted it to feel like you were almost smushing those two books together, which is a, is a marketing way of pitching it. And then in my mind, like a kind of, more literary way of looking at it. I lo really love in my book switching perspectives, um, and but tethering yourself to only two perspectives really makes you consider craft in an interesting way, and and makes you consider like how do I parcel out information and how do I overlap information? And I kind of get the question sometimes where it's like, oh, like cinematic writing, and how do you how do you do that kind of thing when we know it's not a movie, it's a book? Like how do you work with things like you, you can't have jump scares, you can't have like my ideas like big revelations and big big bits of dramatic irony. Aaron is ahead of her for a lot of the time, and it almost seems insurmountable the amount he knows and that we know he knows because we're switching back and forth and seeing scenes from each character's perspectives. 
So to me, that's really gratifying instead of just crassly being like, oh, it's these two books, you know, smashed together. It's like, what well, what would happen if you smash those two books together and how do you do it in a in a cohesive um, and artistically gratifying way? To me, it's it's, it's all in that. It's a craft challenge. I, I love that kind of thing. Um, and I, I think I think the book works. I'm very happy with how it turned out. When you're sitting down to write, like, you know, you, you're writing Crystal, uh, there's, you know, some there's some relatability there, but it's almost like you wrote this man or this young man to be as as unrelatable as possible. What, was that a challenge for you to kind of like skit in this guy's head and, and think like, OK, like what is his attention to detail? Like how much is he how, how self-aware is he about the kind of person that he is like and how and you need to dig into that. Like, what was that like for you? I'm going to ramble because it's a, there's sure. a, no, go for a, it. a bunch of a bunch of kind of questions in there. And then I, I have this is as we spoke before the thing, I haven't gotten to talk about this book yet. This is you're like the first person I'm talking to about it with. The Patrick Bateman thing is interesting because I think in the book, uh, Brett Easton Ellis is much more aware that this guy is 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 kind of a doofus and is kind of just this annoying yuppie. Like, and I think in the movie you can you can lose some of that. Like, I, I don't think Mary Heron ever loses it in the movie. I think the audience loses it. It's that it's that it's that kind of fight clubization of like, oh, this guy's such a badass, and it's because the characters saying they're badass and cool and smart that you kind of believe them. And with Aaron, I really wanted to walk a similar line, but again, it's YA, so I wanted it to be high school. And it's it sucks to say because there's there's parts of myself and Aaron, and it's like you said, it, it feels a little close to home. Like there's parts of there's parts of you, I'm sure, that you see in him because he is thinking about social media and he's thinking about things in an audience level and thinking about things in a content level. We all knew people like this in high school that thought they were the smartest guy in the room, but they were never on the valedictorian list. Like they were never like they they weren't the the smartest person in the room. They just kind of had an attitude and a and a an outsized ego, thinking they kind of were. And I think that that to me, there's a lot of stuff in the book about true crime, and there's a lot of stuff in the book about. Uh, kind of being a fan of true crime and thinking about and and like being like serial killer groupies and stuff like that and 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 this most of these guys are not master criminals like they were able to do what they did through like incompetence of a police force and things like that like like, like the, and I think there is there are so many parts of the book even though Aaron keeps telling you what a genius mastermind he is uh there's so many parts of the book where we try to under or i try to undercut that and be like no he's leaving like a ton of evidence he's like not <laughs> that smart like, like like i think and it's and there's you'll get to a part in the book where there's a character that basically sees through him in a way that that crystal doesn't like crystal sees who he is as a, as a person pretty quickly uh, susses it out but but there's 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 a character that that kind of um espouses that idea of like no like you're you're maybe above average you're not genius level. You're not, you're not Hannibal Lecter. Like um, you're not this, uh, this smart guy. So I think I, it was walking that line. The key with him is, is because we're both social media guys and we have to think about this stuff is like, I think about this stuff all the time. I think about the kind of stuff that Aaron talks about and thinks about a lot. And I'm just kind of like, well, what if, what if I were not as like, not as nice a guy as I think I am? Like, what if I were like, what if I were a scumbag? Like, wouldn't I be able to turn this knowledge and turn this like, this way of thinking about the world and way of thinking about ego and audience and present presentation of myself. Like what if I were to turn it bad and turn it evil? Uh, I think is like, is part of where the character is interesting to me and where he stops becoming a, a Patrick Bateman uh, analog. It doesn't feel super uncomfortable to me to be in Aaron's head. Uh, it just, it, in the moment, at least it feels more uncomfortable to be afterwards when I'm like, Oh yeah, it was pretty easy to, 
things like that. <laughs> well, I mean, but but you're also it's like it's like yeah, you're in his head, but you also know, uh, like you kind of just explained, it's like it's like you know this whole character, and you know like what's behind Aaron's curtain almost. Yeah, uh, like what you're what you're trying to uh, through the reader and um, you know also through the the POV character, the other uh, Crystal, I should say, yeah. starting to pull it back. But you already know going into the book. I know, I'm curious. I mean, like you've been on social media for a while. I think you've got great content. Like, I mean, what is um what's that experience been like for you as an author? I mean, like, has it been uh, diff different than you know? Obviously, you were writing books before you had a bigger platform. Um, have you noticed like a big kind of like upsurge in uh, you, not only, you know, your sales and stuff like that, but like also like your attention span, like your ability to kind of like juggle, I've got to post some stuff and like make myself known and, and get my name out. And then also like be in my creative zone, you know, what's that like? There's so much writing that's not writing. There's so much writing that's just like, okay, you know, I have to send an email or I have to like, it's, it goes in that, it goes in that bucket. I don't even so much think of it as like, I have to do social media. It's just in the bucket. There's like, if 30% of my day or even my week is writing and, you know, and 70% of my like on the clock is like, you know, miscellaneous. Mm -hmm. It just goes in that bucket where it's like 30% of that miscellaneous on top of emails, on top of meetings, on top of all the different myriad things that go into like having any kind of writing career like which is which is a bummer because it would you want that 30 percent to be bigger um it just to, uh, to me for my sanity i put it in the other thing my first book uh to come out not my first book um that i wrote uh tribesman i got i i was able to get published because i dm the editor on facebook so it's like my career's like it's not like i've had a time in my career where i was off social media the social media has just changed i i think i'm more comfortable with it than someone who'd been writing for 10 years and had a, uh, maybe like a traditional publishing career who has to, who then gets told by an agent or editor, Hey, you really got to be on socials, which probably way harder for them. Like to me, it was always, if you ever meet me at a con, if you ever come by a table, which we're doing monster mania this weekend, Scott Cole and I, like, I'm, I'm like basically a used car salesman. I was like, what can I do <laughs> to get you in this book? Like, I, I, I'm very, like, I'm very much like that when it, when it comes to like having someone in front of me and wanting to pitch them and, and sell them a book. And I think, I think it comes from years of muscle memory of like, I want to try to sell books on the internet and it going from like having 50 people in my like friend group on Facebook to like way more and still not a lot. Like, it, like, like, like you're being very kind and saying like, I like your content. Like I like your content and people watch your, your stuff. Like my stuff is just me goofing around and opening like, dvds and being like hey guys and then occasionally being like trying to sell them a book i think that the i scaled up nicely and it's very manageable for me and and i was doing youtube for very for a very long time before tiktok became a thing so i i think um like that transition to video wasn't as harrowing for me because i'm like used to letting people see my face and hear my voice i i feel for the i feel for writers that had to learn it the fact that i kind of grew up my my career grew up alongside socials makes it just another part of my day. And I think that's the, the way I stay sane thinking about it. It's weird because I don't think of myself as a social media person, even though I'm on social media all the time, if that makes sense. Like, no, I think I, it's, I compartment, I, I compartmentalize. If that, <laughs> I compartmentalize if that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're saying it, it really must be true. It must be a mindset you have to get into because yeah, we all have our own things going on. We all have our own careers like outside of that. And it's just something you have to, that you have to do. And it's not like I don't like doing it. I think the authors that don't like doing it, you can tell. 
and, and it's like and it's like i think you have to like it a little bit and you have to have that thrill of the hunt like i really like selling books at conventions it scratches a little bit of that itch to be like i gotta tell you about my new book so i think if you don't like doing it it's a lot harder and if you can't find a way in to make yourself like it like the fact that i'm able to talk about movies that have nothing to do with my books and have a little bit of a, a social presence in that way means that i found a way to talk about it like talk about things i like in an authentic way I think it's, I think there are ways that it could be way worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> I follow quite a few authors on social media and I think like, you know, to one degree or another, uh, some of them are pretty good and it seems pretty natural. And, you know, I, th I think like you've, you've got a good approach to it where you're kind of like including uh, potential fans and fans you already have into other aspects of your life that you're interested in. And, and, and it yeah. kind of, when when someone goes to go buy a book, they're like, hey, "It's that that guy that does the movie, the horror movies." Like, of course, like let's let's read his book, you know. Like, that's awesome, you know. And yeah. then there's other authors that I follow. Um, like uh, Victoria Aviard is a is a YA fantasy author, and her stuff is just like really funny. Um, she's just kind of like it's like yeah. just musings and just like things yeah. she's thinking about and stuff. Um, I think that it's like there's so many different approaches to it. I haven't yet been in a position to sell books, uh, yet, but. You know, what seems to work with just social media in general is a sort of like sincerity and authenticity where, yeah. and you know, it's funny too, because you, what you said about like having, like, like enjoying it uh, to an extent, it's like, I've found when I'm making content and I'm, I don't know if this is true for you, but the, the, the stuff I have the most fun making seems to do the best. Like the stuff yeah, that I, I'm yeah. like excited about, and, and that's not always the case. Like sometimes I put like four hours into something I'm really proud of and it just totally tanks and nobody cares. Uh, that does happen, but it seems like the more kind of, the more authentic I am in, in how much I'm really enjoying something or yeah. how much I don't like something <laughs> to, like, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but those things seem to do pretty well. And um, like social media is just, it's, it's so strange. Cause you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I've seen a lot of takes that are kind of like social media is like ruining the book industry and like it was so much Ow. better. But saving I, dude, it. seriously, like, what are you talking about? Dude, it like literally <laughs> came in and saved it. Like I don't, and it's you know I think people will be reading forever no matter what. Like people will always yeah. be reading books. I think print media uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s. I'm sure you could find plenty of graphs that are like. Yeah. The, this wasn't doing great and then yeah. look at border ask borders yeah yeah exactly so <laughs> yeah borders um, missed tiktok by 10 years and they're yeah. look at them yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> barnes and noble has a bunch of tiktoks and they're they're keeping their mm -hmm. heads above water i mean i i don't see it yeah i mean like do you think that there has do you think there's been any kind of any negative negativeness any negative spin or any negative effect i should say on on publishing itself yeah like I think th there's a, the problem of there's the problem of I feel for like I said I kind of feel for authors that aren't social and are yeah. like and are it's trying like to go on submission yeah. with like exactly the, I don't like that it's a it shouldn't have to be a requirement to have a hit book and in some ways it isn't because there are so many there are so many people that are are doing it for the love and are and, are, and their platforms are reading and their platforms are like if you just get your book into their hands like they're gonna do the work for you and 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 push push your books like it's you know, it's, it's good as an author to have a platform. Then how do they push. hear about you? Exactly. You know well, then, yeah. then, then you got to cut through the noise. Then you, I mean, that's, that's, that's all publishing. Cause that's, 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 that's you, you really want to. And even if you do, even if you have an editor in your corner and, and they really believe in the book and they really want to push it, 
uh, you still got to get the sales team at that same publisher on the same on the same page and with the same passion. Like it's 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 you're in in so much of publishing, you're kind of on your own, and you have to like and you have to be like reaching out to people and and trying to hype your book yourself, even if you're not, you know, like us in front of the camera kind of thing. Like um, you have to be savvy enough to like to know that. Um, what's the is it streets of rage like uh, only trust your fist the police will never help you like that's yeah. that's literally i don't even yeah. think it's is it bad dudes like like it, that's literally publishing now like <laughs> only trust your fist your publisher will never help you like <laughs> yeah totally um like uh like it's that if there's any bad part of it it's that it's like i feel for the people that aren't as adroit at, at social media but are great writers and their books should be read um if that if that's really it like all the other stuff um, that people point to as like a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think it's, I think people are talking about books and are passionate about books online. Um, that, that can't be a bad thing to me. Do you feel pressure to like grow your social media accounts? Like, do you feel pressure? Do you, do you feel comfortable where you're at right now? Or do you feel like, man, if I could only get like this many more followers, I'd do this much better. Like See, that's, that's, that's maybe why I have a healthier outlook on it or don't mind it as much because I can compartmentalize. I don't, I'm just like occasionally, you know, I know the number, like I know what it is. But I'm not like because of the stuff I do and the stuff I create. I know I'm not like going viral with like any of this stuff. So I'm just kind of like eh, I'll pick up people as they come along. And the books, I make sure to put it in the back of the books. And maybe they find me from the books, and then maybe they find the books from the thing. And then I, I really don't like. And that's a you know that's a part of socials where I don't. I feel like that can end up probably really unhealthy. Of like I'm at because what are you at right now? What is, what's your what's your uh, what's your TikTok following? Uh, it's like two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, that's a that's that's that is a that is twenty five times mine. Like I like it's not. I know I don't like. I'm not like. I I know I'm not getting brand deals and like you know what I mean. Like just with the stuff I'm doing. Like I'm I'm unboxing. I just unboxed the Dark Power. Like and uh <laughs> and Lorna the Exorcist. Like like I'm like I'm 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 over here like unboxing Jess Franco movies. I'm not you know. <laughs> I'm not I'm never gonna be a hit which is which is in stark contrast to the kind of fiction I write which is funny because like all the my I, I write YA horror exclu pretty much exclusively now I know if I tried to go after the teen and tween audience on these socials like I would drive myself insane I cannot do that I'm getting the librarians and the teachers and the stuff like that that just happen to like this genre that are gonna hopefully the books will trickle down to a YA audience like and 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 that's when I think about the work it helps me keep it compartmentalized and like the socials it's so different like the the audience and the content is so is so different never the twain so meet kind of thing like yeah I mean like you can't <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm glad Adam that you're not doing the skateboard over the shoulder like hello fellow yeah, yeah. Like, kind of thing. <laughs> no that's good that would be that would be inauthentic and you know people can see that from a mile away yeah it's weird because like, yeah, I have like all these followers and stuff, but um, I still feel like it's it's still very much like a, a kind of like contained community. And like when I when I first started, uh, when things were kind of starting to grow, um, I did feel a little bit of that anxiety, which was kind of like, all right, like I have, I can't, I, I don't, I can't let this f fall apart. Like, is because it's the coolest thing I've got going on, got going on in my life. It's got to be. I got to be yeah, perfect. All the, yeah. yeah, I got to be. So, uh, like, there was a period where I was posting like three videos a day for like a good like almost like a year. I think you'll burn yourself like, out. You'll burn yourself oh, I burn, out. Oh, and what a lovely light the flame cast. But it was still, 
it sucked. Like I, I felt very burnt out. It kind of like what you were saying before. I mean, it's almost like regardless of the audience, you, you really need to like stick to what feels fulfilling for you artistically. Yeah. And um, I've tried like chasing trends before and I've tried just like different approaches to not only the kind of content I'm making, but like what I'm um, like the frequency and consistency and style and everything. And I feel like that kind of translates over to books like a, a lot with a, a lot of conversations I've listened to and had with authors and stuff. Um, it seems to be like I, I tried some other stuff. I tried some other genres, but it just it wasn't really working and I just yeah. it didn't feel right and nobody wanted to buy it. And then yeah. once I was kind of like, you know what, I really love this. So this is yeah. what I'm going to do. And, you know, with you with with horror and YA horror and stuff, it seems like you've kind of you've hit like a style that you really like. You've hit yeah. on some themes that you really like. It, you've hit on a, a sort of kind of like uh, narrative structure and 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 kind of a spectacle that you really seem to enjoy based on a lot of the things that you love. And look, it's working. That's awesome. Yeah, like, that's exactly. so cool. And it's and it's such a it's such a fickle little configuration because it's almost like because I got here's 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 an interesting thing. And I won't name like anyone involved because it, it, I felt really bad about it. But I was I was invited every in every anthology invite I get, especially if it's like pro pay. Like I just say yes. Like I just do everything I can. <laughs> yeah. um, but like I, I had just finished one, a book. This is the 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 really good one. It's a I had just finished one. Um, it's going to be out in, next year from Titan called Bound in Blood. Johnny Maine's doing it. It's all. It's great. It's, the table of contents is insane. Like it's like great writers and then me. Um, but like it's, it's it was very and it was it was a book. It was a this the the prompt was like any kind of horror story, but it has to be about books. Like it has to be about like either cursed books or something like that. Like the horror has to do with books. Bound in Blood is the thing. Um, so like I did that, and then I had another um, short story on the docket, and it was for a it was for a middle grade anthology. And like that, I found that so easy to do. I feel like it's one of the best short stories in my career, the the Bound in Blood one. And then I was like, all right, I'm on a short story kick, like, you know, cracking my own knuckles, thinking I'm like the like hot shit. Uh, and I start trying to write this um, this middle grade uh, story. And I just, it's never, ever happened to me before, but I just could not get that, that MG voice, couldn't get that like mm. middle grade. It's just because, I think it's just because of the kind of writer I am, the kind of person I am, I just couldn't do it with that i i spent so long i spent longer on this unfinished short story than i spend on finished short stories and i just couldn't and i just had to like i had to like tell the editor i felt really terrible like hat in hand coming being being like i don't know i, I can't do it like i can't like i was like i didn't even like show them what i had i was just like it ain't working man like i i have to i have to bow i wanted them to be able to find a replacement or to like open up to like another spot subs because i was like I was like, I gotta let you know because I didn't even hit the deadline yet. I was like close oh, wow. to the deadline. I was like, I was like before the deadline even passed. I was like, the professional thing to do is just be like, you know, can't can't <laughs> right, yeah, I can't you know, it's a square pet, a square peg in a round hole. And I'm not saying I'll never ever you know be able to write middle grade just with the story and what the prompt was. I just couldn't, yeah, make it work. And it's that idea of like, if like yes writers have ticks you know Richard, Richard Lehman using the word rump like uh, you know but like, like writers have tells and ticks and things that they like going back to which some people see as a as a bad thing um but there's also the idea of embracing who you are as a writer and like you said themes and things you're interested in like like mm -hmm. a lot of my books uh I'm doing I'm doing I'm buttoning up a few things on um on pre-existing projects and then I'm uh I'm writing a 
vampire book that I've already started. Um, but Hell it's almost yeah. a, I, I, I love vampires and it's been like, yeah. I've written 12 books now and I haven't tried to write a vampire book. It's like my favorite subgenre of horror. My favorite like creatures. Like I was like, well, let me, let me do it. Let me do it to it. Let me do a vampire book. And I'm realizing as I'm writing a little bit and synopsizing and building the characters. And I'm like, this is almost a, deli- like, this is almost a, like a remake of video night. Like, this is like a, this is like my, which my first book. And I'm like, and instead of being scared by that, it almost reinvigorated me more. I'm like, well, it's, it's been 15 years since I wrote video night. Like, what is, what does that look like now? And it's not just video night with vampires. It's like, it's, 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 that's all set dressing. Like, let's look at the core of what that book's about and the anxieties in that book and the, the things I was interested in 15 years ago. And let's revisit the structure and let's revisit the themes and let's revisit like, cause I'm, it'll be, and it's going to end up being a completely different thing. No one's going to read this untitled vampire book, like, and be like, Oh, is this video night again? It, but to me, it's interesting as a, as a writer and as a thinker and as someone who takes his work very seriously, I mean, like my books have, I have a books, I have three books called clown of the cornfield. Like they sound like jokes, but I don't take them as, as jokes. You know what I mean? I'm very serious about my craft and very serious about the body of work I'm building. And I feel like there's comfort in that and ability and I, the fact that I can I can do the trick because I, I know what the trick mm-hmm. is. But there's also the idea of being cognizant of that you're doing a trick and try to challenge yourself and try to expand and try to grow um, within the within the confines of your of, of of what you know you can do well. Have you felt any pressure ever? I'm not saying this is like a thing that happens. I'm just genuinely curious. But like, uh, as somebody who's been putting out books in a certain uh, like niche genre. Uh, do publishers or um, any of your colleagues or anybody say like, hey, that's cool that you're writing all this stuff, but you know what you should try is like fantasy or yeah. you should write a sci-fi <laughs> book or like a space opera or something. Or, you know, the, has that ever really happened? Not really. I'm glad that my backlist is a little bit varied within Har because I was actually just yeah, in an event. Totally. I was just in an event and it was like a it was like a meet local meet and greet with local authors at, um, at, a, at, a, at a bookstore here that I'm actually very close with it's called Children's Book World. And they they ship out my signed books. So like you can get books about like beheadings sent to you from a, a store called children's book world. Um, but, they're, <laughs> uh, but like they, they had invited all these authors and I was, I was, I was talking to someone and she was like, yeah, I, I had pitched, you know, a third, she was like on like her third book with like the same publisher. And she was like, I'd pitched something and they were like, Oh, but you do, but you do supernatural horror. Like you can't do like, and I was like, Oh my God. Like the, even within, even within the horror oh. genre, they were like, "No, but you don't do that kind of horror." And they were like, "No, they were like, they're like the the like," and it was like, "No, you can't do that one." Like she had like an idea, and I was like, "I'd be so bummed if like." So I like I I use that as an example to say, it hasn't happened to me, but I know it does happen. Yeah, I guess like the question should have been phrased differently. I should have said even like, that granular, felt... even that yeah, granular yeah. to like you you know you don't write that kind of horror. It's like I'm a horror writer. What are you talking about? Like you know, and it was like. Um, it was a YA horror author. Um, and I was like, I was like kind of shocked by that. And I was like, well, I'm happy with the people I'm working with then. Cause they haven't said, you know, they haven't said that to me. Um, do you think that comes from a place of like, not wanting like, like, like this worked, so you should do it again kind of thing. It's almost like a, at that point, it's like almost a purely financial decision. It's like, no, oh, yeah. we know that we're selling x amount of your books to these readers because they like or perceived because they like supernatural horror like that's that's crazy to me like no one yeah. reads books or watches movies like that that's such a commercial mindset that's such a 
look of like if we change this a little bit it's not gonna it's gonna flop because it's too Playing different it like really that's safe. yeah that's it's it's and it's it's crazy to me because it, it doesn't even to me it seems antithetical to selling books because it's like no don't you want to grow your readership and show them what you can do and find new Range. readers that maybe weren't into the thing last thing you did like uh, to me it's like well why would you do that like it's to me it's like like look at like influencer and clown of the cornfield they're bo- they're both like blood soaked YA narratives dealing with timely teen issues but they couldn't to me they couldn't be more different like they're, oh, like, they're the very different, different books like uh, even, like, even tonally like, tonally they're they're, they're yeah, it's like it's yeah. a completely different ride you know yeah. like yeah we're the same cafeteria sometimes you know what i mean it's exactly it, yeah but like it's not it's not the same thing like at all it's like uh yeah. it'd be like the difference between like scream and nightmare on elm street you know it's yeah. like yeah they're yeah. teenagers but like one yeah. of them is killing people in their dreams yeah or last house of the left or scream and last house of the left where it's like where it's like you're you're like this is not fun like the like <laughs> i'm amazed we have fun. like not to tutor on a horn and i'm also probably tripping i'm like probably tripping myself up like uh, by the time we record this, you'll probably I'll probably have a ton of one star reviews. But our reviews are like really good, and I don't I don't tend to look at reviews, but they're all nice. I'm like looking at them, and I'm just like I'm amazed because, like you said, that first chapter uh, that Brittany Presley reads is is a home invasion. Like it is like yeah. it is like Funny Games or Last House on the Left or The Strangers. If you want to go a little bit more modern, it's something like akin to that in its extremity, and 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 like and true crime stuff is like it's Helter Skelter. It's 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 yellow drive it's you know it's the sharon tate murders like it, it, it's it's this really difficult really so, hard yeah. really hard-hitting thing that we do we 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 pull back and we have you know students concerned about like what they're going to wear to prom and stuff like that but we open with that and i'm like i kind of just assumed and in almost like a little bit of a perverse way i was like we are going to get slammed yeah. with one star yeah. reviews especially when you're like it doesn't cost a credit this is if you're an audible subscriber it's free mm. to click on kudos to to audible they put a huge warning on it yeah, like there's no, like a, there's like a right big <laughs> italicized yeah. warning i yeah. i haven't seen that on any other on any other audible original which i'm again a little bit perversely proud of like like but it's like there's a huge freaking warning that's like hey man like this isn't but i kind of just assumed well we're gonna get slammed from people who aren't gonna be able this isn't their kind of book and they're not gonna be able to hang with that Open. right um yeah, but luckily don't discount you know, the true crime uh community though you know <laughs> they, yeah, they no, read and, way and worse i knew they that. were gonna like and i knew you know <laughs> it, it's not like i wrote it for no one i didn't write yeah, it to totally, be deliberately totally. alienating i'm just saying this is not to me when i was writing i'm like well this is not like a broad-based wide audience book there's gonna be people mm-hmm. who are not want, looking to hang with this and i think maybe the fact that it has the warning on it probably helps and lets people know a little bit what they're getting into and the fact that it's so upfront like the, that's the that's the hardest hitting chapter. I mean, the end gets pretty crazy too, but like that's the hardest hitting chapter in the book. Put it all up front, let people know what they're getting into before they invest nine hours. It's like, okay, if this isn't for you, the lap bar can come down and you can hop off the ride right now. Like, you know, um, which I like that approach. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, and I'm not, and I'm just trying to be true to the story because I think it's like, I went back and forth about that. There was even, there was discussion about like, well, should we just, should we circle around to this? Should we cut this chapter because it's not from any of our main two POVs and we'll just like allude to what happened? Mm, yeah. And I was yeah. kind of like, nah, you really, I think it, 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 to me, it's my, like, it, it's like my favorite scene I've ever written, which is hard, which is hard to say because it's so like bleak. But like, I, I felt like I was, 
I like leveled up a little bit in no i dude seriously so like, i was like, like i was like I no was i listening. really want to put this in there you know like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i was listening to it and i was like jesus adam because <laughs> like, i've read multiple of your books and yeah they i mean they get they get pretty gruesome uh, but it was funny because like i i i am um, whenever i'm listening to audiobooks uh uh, typically, um, I'll be playing video games while I'm listening to audiobooks. So I'll play like <laughs> something that I was playing Stardew Valley, which I don't know if you played it. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the disparity in tone between like me <laughs> farming my pumpkins. Sugar there to, seriously, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> I'm like sitting there playing Stardew Valley, and then this like crazy chapter is listening happening. to a family get annihilated. Or it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, it happened to me like when I was I was working at a sandwich shop and um, I had like a, an earbud in and I was listening to A Court of Silver Flame by Sarah J. Moss, which is the fifth book in the Court of Thorns and Roses series, and it gets very sexually explicit like very <laughs> it's very it's interesting very I just, uh, my wife yeah. and i just listened to the first one and it's that one's not that one's not sexually they, explicit <laughs> they grow they grow in in um in, in in sexual intensity and and in graphic detail as the the books go on so yeah the first one okay. is just kind of like this like starlit like beautiful like dalliance through this enchanted forest like they're like having sex in a field of stars and tears of joy, you know. And then, <laughs> and then by the fifth one, it's just like, whoa, oh my god, this is so slamming crazy. it, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is. I mean, they're they're cool books. I like them, but it's just funny listening to it at work. Like I'm like cutting an onion, you know. And it's just yeah, it changes like... your, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, uh, kind of going back to what you were saying about working on this vampire book. Um, uh, this is kind of a long question, but uh, let me try to get it out. So. Right now, I'm doing a reread of Salem's Lot. It's funny that you bring up um, vampires. Uh, the first time I read it, I was like 23, 24. I'm 33 now. Uh, so it's been about 10 years since I read Salem's Lot, and I'm really enjoying it uh, even more this time. Like I think I said on our last Monday episode, like uh, the the actual reading of it is a little tedious because it's just I feel like King is still kind of finding his sweet spot. It's like the second book that he put out, so it's just like. It's a little long-winded and the it's a big the, one too for yeah, yeah it's like 630 for pages yeah, yeah um the structure is kind of like a little lopsided too because i i feel like um things don't really start happening till a little ways in and then there's like another weird lull and then a bunch of stuff happens at the end you know um but that being said uh one of the things that king had mentioned about his approach to writing it was that he was kind of inspired initially by the sort of uh like early 20th century depiction of vampires uh, mostly based on the kind of class of count dracula kind of like yeah. spread over into other things and then another thing that had inspired him was the kind of more uh, uh, modern in the sense of these 50s 60s and 70s it's not modern anymore but the kind of tales from the crypt vampire yeah. where you, it's a lot more like animal and bestial and bloody and gross and and so he was kind of trying to like approach it with respect toward both of those things so I'm, I'm curious like not just with vampires but with other kind of more conventions of horror are there any things that you're if you were to try to tackle some of those things what's your mindset going into that are you trying to adhere to a certain uh convention or do you want to um kind of um good a little bit of everything um i i before the clown books, before I kind of pivoted to YA, my my approach was always uh, just doing different subgenres of horror, like mm -hmm. you know, Video Nights and Alien Invasion book, Tribesman's a ghost story and a cannibal story, um, Summer Jobs a folk horror novel, and it, my all my 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 view was I'm gonna do my version of these things, and what I like about these genres is naturally going to rise. Mm. 
to the, to the four of like what my version of these things is. And I have a very, I have a very long partial. It's like an almost complete partial. It was a book. It was a book I ended up getting my agent with cause I had queried with, but he didn't, he was like, I can't sell a werewolf book. Uh, but I did, I, I have a, I have like a very, very nearly complete vamp uh, werewolf book. Um, so then that's like kind of the only classic monster I've done. Like exponential is a blob type monster. Um, but it's also a little bit tremors too. So it's like that idea of like, almost like building like, uh, of like, building a Frankenstein monster version of a monster where I'm like taking a little bit from things that I like. Like I said, like if I'm a fan of, if I'm a fan of that kind of storytelling in that kind of genre, take a little bit of here, which it sounds like the King approach too. Um, you know, and, and, and he, he made such a kind of iconic vampire there. It's, you know, it, it, it becomes, it's, it becomes, you know, Barlow, right? Right. Like that's the, that's the vampire's name, right? Like, you know, like, like it's, it's, yeah. I was just talking to one of my friends about it cause he had, he, he hadn't read it. And I was like, it's so funny because like King writing Salem's lot in the seventies, uh, based on some convention from way earlier than that created convention 50 yes. years later. Yeah. It's so interesting how like that wheel kind of spun around, you know? And when you're playing in these kind of almost continuums, you know, I don't even want to call them genres at that point. When you're playing with these like ongoing good word for it, yeah. shared, you know, shared um, mythologies, that's all you can really hope for is that you're going to add a little bit, you know, if it's like a snowball. You're going to add a little bit of snow, like, you know, to to your thing. And I think of like, I think of vampire things like uh, there's so there's so many disparate vampire stories. Like, and that's that's what that's what I that's what appeals to me about it. Like, because I'm getting my little like I'm getting my I'm starting to like tailor my viewing around it and if i like around halloween i like reached for um uh jean roland's two orphan vampires and i was like wait a second don't watch that yet watch that uh <laughs> you know uh watch that when you're in draft on you know and then there's like nothing but trouble uh not nothing but trouble um uh trouble every day nothing but trouble is the dan Aykroyd thing um trouble every day and i have like this kind of stack of, of vampire things that i want to watch and revisit 30 days a night, which is just, just these, these movies couldn't be more different when you think about them. Books couldn't be more different. Um, like if you, if you, if you compare Stoker's Dracula to Salem's lot, they couldn't be more, they're just so different. Like, and they're all dealing with different things. And then you have midnight mass, which was like, you know, uh, was a huge hit and kind of rebuilt the way think about people think about like Catholic horror, you know? And like, so it's like, I have my own, predilections and without giving too much away because i don't want to like the the book has a very simple elevator pitch to it but i don't want to say that yet because it's like i i, I want to stick to it and i want it to be a little bit of a surprise because it's not the book's not sold yet it's not done yet this is i've wrote one chapter of it and some outline stuff but it's like there is like a, a way in that's very very of a piece with my other books um and it's and it's and it's i want to do that because and then like building out the vampire mythology in that way is like take a little bit from everywhere plus get rid of the stuff that I'm like, that I've always like, it's always bugged me that X. And then like, just, just don't acknowledge yeah. that. It's like, you know, it's like my, it's my, they're my vampires. I can do what I want. Um, So like, that's the way I, I've been, I, I'm approaching and I plan to approach it. It's just this, this, so such a big pool to play in that you'll never, you know, if you're smart about it, you'll never get accused of being like, well, this is just 30 days a night, or this is just let the right one in like they're so look at look at how different those the those those books are like that comic and that book look how different those are and how different they even are from the movie like because i'm actually i'm not a huge fan of the uh let the right one in uh source novel um i think there are things in the in the first film that it, again it drops away it drops away subplots and, and things that i think are more interesting in the film because they're because they're less explained like so i just look at it that way where like you the, 
you're never going to repeat yourself, you know, and you're, and you're, and you're never going to, if you look at the classics of this genre of this subgenre, you're never, you're also never going to measure up. Like you see, why as well have fun, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you totally. know, it's not, you know, yeah. not writing the next, you know, not writing the next X, not writing the next, uh, let the right one in, not writing the next Salem plot, not writing the next Dracula. Maybe yeah, can... it's funny. Cause like in maybe in 30, 40, 50 years, somebody will be like, I'm not writing the next, you know, Adam yeah, well, yeah. Empire, <laughs> that's the goal, like, but you can't go in with that. If the goal, no, absolutely you're not. Fail. No. <laughs> You'll fail every time. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned, uh, let the right one in. Uh, I, I wanted to, uh, this is just a fun little anecdote, but, um, so, uh, I like horror movies. I'm not, uh, uh, super, super well versed in them or anything, but I do like them a lot. Um, but my girlfriend likes horror movies a lot too. Um, uh, and, but, we've found out over the course of us dating that we like two very different kinds of horror movies and it because um she she seems to like the kind of like 70s wave of you know like uh, so she she showed me suspiria um oh i remember we which, talked about suspiria yeah <laughs> yeah so she showed me that and then um right after we watched suspiria i showed her the the ritual which is uh that movie that's based on the adam neville book yeah um and which is like one of my I, I love forest no, she wins. horror. She's right. I know it's so. <laughs> I, I was. If you're trying to, if you're trying to get me on team, I, team, Evan, I can't. No, no, yeah, I, I, nobody's I, I on liked team. I like the ritual. just fine. I thought it was a great movie, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's Suspiria, not. It's, it's not, yeah. not, not Suspiria. No, that's and it's funny too because like in my mind when when we did this, I was like that movie was cool, but let me show you this one. And she was so unimpressed. And so like, <laughs> like she was just like, like that was gross view. and stupid <laughs> and too high budget. And it, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's the funny. It's great though in that movie. The monster's awesome. <laughs> man, you know what I, you know what I really love is a creature feature that actually delivers, you know? Um, and I feel like oh, when it changes, when it like unfurls, it's, cool. oh my gosh, that was so, it's so good. Yeah. I recently read the well, book. I like both those movies. I'm on both of your. Oh sides, yeah, no, for yeah. sure. But Suspiria is like an objectively better movie. Yeah. Like, it, and I don't use the word objectively very often. I kind of hate it, but it's true. But um, yeah, I recently read uh the ritual. The it's the only Adam Neville book I've read. It's very good. Um, but what I liked about it is that the movie, the the ritual, the movie, not only changed up some of the plot and some of the story and stuff like that. It changed up what it was. The, about like the themes like it changed hmm. up like like because and I'm, I'm, you know i've read so much stuff and i'm trying to remember exactly what it was but i think like the ritual um the movie seemed to be more about like guilt and how we carry yeah. it with yeah. us and then yeah. the book was not super about that i can't remember it was like about like self-empowerment and self-confidence almost and I could be butchering that could be the other way around but i like I, an adaptation that can do that i was that just gonna ask the, you about that has that. the yeah. balls to be like no, this is about something different. Like, you know, a, a director or screenwriter coming in and being like, well, this is my version of that story, which yeah. I think is, I think is always leads to more interesting adaptations, even if they're not as good. Like people slam adaptations and like the, and the, you know, the book was better. Like, it's just, it's, it, to me, that's so reductive. And so, you know, I, I, I think a yeah, really a good example. There's a more interesting conversation there. To exactly. Be had, a re you know? I think a really good example that's a recent example is, um, the Paul Tremblay, the cabin at the end of the world versus, oh, I still um, haven't seen that. versus, knock uh, the knock the cabin. cabin. Yeah. How was um, it? The way I describe it, I think I, I, I said this. This is a novel by an author whose main interest is ambiguity, ambiguity and playing with audience expectation. And this is a film made by the director in Hollywood least interested in ambiguity. And I think that's really, <laughs> I think that's 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 yeah. great. Like, like there should be more odd couple pairings like that because I think it, it makes the it makes them both completely different. Um, you've read the book. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's really so good. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's the same yeah. until um, 
the break into this third act. It's 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 almost really? it's like a it's like a really 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 accurate um adaptation until you break into the third act and then it becomes an M Night Shyamalan movie, which again like I liked and I know that the you know in our circles a lot of people did not like that. Um, but I think that like the the you know the plurality of, of of being able to hold different versions of a story in your head and and being able to look at different mediums and and and, and different artists and what they're doing and be like oh i see that this is good and i see that this is different but also good i think that's to me that's the way i approach looking at adaptation um and to me the adaptations that fall the most flat are the ones that are pretty literal pretty straightforward versions of the book that don't you know that are still missing elements that don't you know don't add up to like oh i see what this director's pov was or like what the reason for doing this was other than someone in hollywood was like we got content to package so let's put this you know you know uh to me that those that leads to the you know maybe they're more accurate adaptations but they're less interesting to me as a as a film goer what do you think the uh <clears throat> i mean for lack of a better word anger like where do you think the anger comes from um because I mean, when, when people are upset about adaptations um changing the source material i mean like because i don't think it's necessarily an invalid feeling no i don't but, think it, but i it, I, th I think uh... I, do I don't think, think I, I, I don't want to I don't want to like smack talk like people no I don't think that's what you're doing yeah because I don't I, I don't think they're wrong I think it's just a difference of opinion I think they're like I think I think there's well I'll say this I think there's two different ways of looking at it and there's two different places it probably comes from there's there's that fidelity to the source material there's the I love this thing I, I don't like don't that, change it that don't they change it, yeah. it which I think is is kind of the you know for lack of a better term the more right or the more righteous way to come at it and then there's the i think and then there's a little bit of um sometimes i feel like gatekeeping enters these conversations where mm. a, a little bit of like oh you you know you know you like uh my chemical romance like what are your thoughts on their first two albums you know like there's that a little bit of like that of like i was i knew about this before it was cool because then anytime a movie comes out even if it's the lowest even if it's the biggest flop movie in the world more people saw that movie opening weekend than read that book. You know what I mean? Like, like so it's like, there is that level of like, well, I, I was an early adopter. I, you know, and then getting angry at changes from that way. And the, the idea that more people are liking the thing that you liked before. Um, I think that's, to me, that's a less cool way of looking at it. But I think the other one is totally justified. And I, I, I totally understand if you love something so much and you feel like it was disrespected or changed, um, uh, I understand that. And, and I say this as someone who is getting a, a film adaptation and ha you know, we don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but we don't know what it's getting, you know, but I know enough to know things are changing in it. And I know enough to know, like, because I've been in the scene long enough, especially with horror fans, you change something, they're going to, you're going to hear about it. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm firmly like, let them change it. Like, I know they were changing things. Like I'm, I'm okay with it. Like it's a different, it's not my book. It's a film. Um, so it's like, I, I have a slightly, biased perspective there in that i want i want everyone to give everything a chance um but i also am like that's how i was before too that's how i was you know it's a, a non-adaptate not adapted civilian you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I think it really like when it with, with regard to adaptations i mean i think it really depends on the, the final quality of the work and i don't think that the quality of the work is wholly dependent on its adherence to the source material so like if if you're in that camp you're never you're rarely rarely going to be satisfied but yeah. i think that you know um like a good example is um the rings of power tv show i don't know if you watched that 
Uh, but, I haven't. I know. I know. I'm going to eventually. I, I really. I, I kind of look forward to doing it. It's just like I don't watch any. I don't. I don't watch. I don't watch TV much at all. Yeah, I just TV's like, rough. Yeah, I read. Hard. I read books and I watch movies. So like, it's a shame. It's a shame that I have that bias. I just do. Um, and I love. You know, I freaking love the Lord of the Rings movies. So I, I really. I. It's on my list, but I'm, I haven't gotten to it. You know. I mean, uh, it's 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 fine. It's not great. Yeah. Um, I think that there's some parts of the show that are that shine pretty well there are actually some pretty awesome sequences and really good scenes and actually some you know like the, there's actually like one side story that is great that, that works pretty much the entire way through but i'd say on the whole it's like not a very well put together show at all it doesn't seem like there was a ton of thought put into a lot of aspects of it granted they didn't have the full rights to yeah they the don't have any of the like they don't have this yeah they don't have like a lot of the like the append- yeah they're, like they only had the appendices but, like yeah yeah they're yeah but um you know it's funny because before the show even came out people were upset about it obviously um and it's and it's just interesting because people um I feel like are uh, kind of like a, a bit selectively outraged with certain things regarding Tolkien specifically because you know people are are very willing to say and very ready to say, oh, you know, Tolkien would be spinning in his grave if he saw that yeah, we had a black elf or something. But it's it's funny because where were these people when Burger King was doing the Hobbit kids meals? And where were these people when, uh, you it's know, also, the, yeah, it's, when it's, they're making it's, video it's what games? We were like, about the, with like, it's what we were talking about with like bad actors. It's like these people are always going to have these, these people are always going to have these opinions because they're frankly, they're those opinions are content for them. And it's like they're all just grifters like you know i don't know i i that it makes it makes liking this stuff hard like it, it like as, as to be like <laughs> yeah. a, to be like an og like nerd that you know that that loves comics and, and 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 you know is trying to work in comics and stuff like that who loves like i you know i grew up like my, my dad was like a make mine marvel kid like i i grew up you know i'm basically like on the mary marvel marching team like i like i i, I like i still like that stuff and then love that stuff and have great affinity for those characters but like the dialogue around it the fact that i like these these losers are trying to make me choose between martin scorsese and 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 the mcu i'm like seriously you know yeah, like what, what a like, wild what is conversation like, that is. i'm like you know what like what is as this? though it's like, a zero like, sum game stop you know, asking like, this dude about this like let him be he's he's like, like our greatest living filmmaker just leave him alone like uh, like, 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 like to me like like that the the effect like that's not the, but that's not the thing like that's not yeah that, that that has nothing to do with Killers of the Flower Moon, and that has nothing to do with Captain Marvel. Like, let them be, let them be alone. Like, I like, and it, it you have to like, kind of, to be a person on the internet and to be a nerd in today's society, you have to like, choose to filter out this stuff. Like, choose to filter out this noise and just and and just enjoy things on their on their own merits. And and um, and it's it connects back with what we were saying about adaptation. The idea that like, if you have that that tendency to be like. They can't change anything. I'm going to approach this adaptation as if there's a thing that changes, it goes a hash mark against the movie. There's like pros and cons, and then like every little change goes down as an against. And that's I I, I used to teach English. Like that's what I used to. I, the 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 analogy I would use for enjoying any piece of literature or film or anything is like, are well, are you entering it arms open or are you entering it arms crossed? And to me, that falls into the category of any kind of biases you have. And we all have biases. You can't you can't get around it. You can't change the way you relate to things but you can you can try to be cognizant of your attitude it's like oh am i am i entering this looking to enjoy it or am i entering this 
being like, oh, this ready is, to hate it. I can't wait to see, you know, are you, are you Statler and Waldorf or are you Kermit? Like it is like, it's which, which <laughs> are you going to be? Great like, analogy. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I never ever want to be the Statler and Waldorf because it's also like, it's less fun. This is my, this is, this is, this is fun. This is my, this is my, I, like I have, I have a kid, I have bills. I have like, I have a lot of things that are responsibilities in my life. Watching, um, watching Gorgo on 4k UHD is not, is not a is is not one of them. That is not a responsibility. That is a pleasure. That is a thing that I do for fun. Like to me, it's like why would you turn things that you consume into moments of consternation? And it's not like you. It's not like you're not gonna. It's not like you're not gonna read bad books and you're not gonna see bad movies. But you just you shrug it and you move on to the next one. Like what is like? Yeah, right, why and that's not to say there's no room for critique. Like there's always no. Room of for course critique. not. No. Yeah, of course not. No. That's part of the fun. And that's of being the a fun. Nerd. That's the yeah. fun. Like that's why we're. It's why we even have conversations. It's like that's like all the text threads on my phone is just this idea of like, well, let's get into it. Let's talk about why you liked it and why I didn't like it. Like that's different from that's different from what we were talking about. Like Being people building a platform on not liking things. Like yeah. that's 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 not to me. That's not that's not critique. That's that's a that's culture war or something like like that's like a you know that's like I said grift. There's some there's some reason you're doing this, and it's not because you just love spider-man so much like it's, it's like no but like that see that's that's the cool thing about being a fan that's like open to all kinds of different yeah. you know interpretations and, and and different things like i mean like a good example uh me and my girlfriend were watching the batman the new um rob, rob pattinson movie it's yeah. good it's it's a cool movie i liked it a lot yeah um it's funny though because we got about uh a little more than halfway through it and then effie was like do you want to watch the dark knight and then we turned off the batman and started watching the dark knight which is and it's funny because we both had like we both had like such a great like we uh we were like yes this is awesome like the dark knight is so good and then it's i was just scrolling youtube i don't know if like the the algorithm was like listening to us watching the dark knight but i was scrolling youtube and i found this video that said batman is a stand-in it, it batman is conservative propaganda and i was like interesting like i've yeah. never seen this take before i don't even know if i like 100 agree with it or anything but it was like a real i had never seen that take before and just the just the idea of somebody digging that deep into it it was so much fun like it was and it's like i don't even know yeah, if i agree get, with it that's that's a, yeah you get to think about things and you get to right. you get to like you get to consume different viewpoints about them and like and it's and uh, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's like no, no, no. Th that's the that's that multiplicity and uh, multi plurality of of thought that we were talking about. Of like, you can, you know, there's also like there's there's media where that's even an even more valid critique of them or more more valid reading. There's like you know the Death Wish films, you know, with the uh, the Paul Kersey, you know, character. Like it's it doesn't change the fact that I can watch them and enjoy them, even though I don't agree with the politics of what they are you know like, well, like uh, on the other side of like strict adherence to uh, or fidelity i should say i guess would be a better word like like wanting that all the time i feel like another aspect of that might be your you not being willing to hear other takes about it's like it's like who are you to decide what this is about you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 if you don't know for a fact, if you weren't best friends with the author, you don't know 100% the authorial intent, which most yeah. people don't, then, then you could make the argument that almost any adaptation is valid in the eyes of the person that's making it as long as it's sincere, yeah. you know? So, uh, like in, uh, like, like, uh, the, the example that I always see thrown out is, um, Kubrick's version of the shining and King's yeah. version. I mean, um, you know, 
with and if if you're a huge shining fan you're listening to this like i'm gonna do my best here but like uh it's uh, what i've read is that stephen king was annoyed about the way that the shining was made because jack in the shining in the book he's crazy he, before he gets to the you know he's his whole critique is he's crazy before he gets to the you know but it's thing. supposed to yeah. but uh, from yeah. from what i've read from king it, it seems like it's supposed to be like this kind of like gradual ruination of a of a family man because of the influence of this hotel and then we like with the kubrick one the first scene is jack fucking nicholson looking mad like looking not that's not to say though i mean it's not like i won't throw out like the first line of the shining is like officious little prick or something like that it's like uh, but it is interesting because like the kubrick film wasn't like it's like Kubrick had like this vision for what he wanted to do with this movie and it and it's like he took it from King and was like I I you know this is what it's about he even he he spat in the face of the authorial intent and still made something that's considered a classic so it's like it's all so up in the air you know being a being a being a um an English teacher and being like that like that being that kind of classical like teacher like where I like I think authorial intent is you'll never know. Like you, like you had, you had yeah. given that example of like, yeah. even if your best friends are the person, there's things about my best friend. I don't know. Uh, I never, I always like, and this is, this is again, because I'm great at a lot of papers and because I've assigned a lot of papers. I'm always like work from the text. If you can make me a point, if you can, like, like you said, that kind of that headline about, you know, Batman is as conservative propaganda. If you can work from the text and give me examples and tell me why huh, it's an interesting argument. That's it. That's, that's something that made me, Maybe think about this in a new way. Even if I don't 100% agree with the author's thesis, it is the author's thesis. And then here's example, example, example. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. You either convince me or you don't, or you either, you either illuminate me or you don't. Um, to me, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't want to know. Like, I, I don't want to, in a paper, I'm not going to cite King telling me what his book's about. And I'm not going to, like, because I'm, I'm going from text. I'm working from yeah, the text, what, is, what yeah. is here and what can I take from it and that's i think that's a little bit of a different view than sometimes i, I think i think especially uh you know film twitter if we're moving away we're moving a, away from that and we're we're almost turning we're turning filmmakers and actors and um and authors into like my buddy and like and like waifus and, <laughs> and this idea of like <laughs> of like no 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 like like let's try to let's try to separate them and it all comes back to it's like that english teacher in me which is this is this makes me this makes me sound like a like a like a loser and a fuddy duddy. But like when people when people talk about an author and they say them by their first name, like uh, like <laughs> like, like it, it, where I'm like, I'm like wait a second, you don't do you do you know them? And if you don't know them, like even if even if you do know them, like I'm like I'm I'm loath to call Stephen Graham Jones anything but Doctor Jones. Like uh, I, I think like I think it's such a weird it's such a it changes my my way of responding to your criticism or your point about a piece of fiction and film if you're like um if you're if you're talking so informally about like i'm like I'm like no i would mark that down on a on a graded paper i'd be like uh we don't know you know um if you were writing a if you're writing a paper about like a historical figure john f kennedy and you were like john what <laughs> like you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't do that like <laughs> um but i but i think those yeah that's a weird tangent that you could probably cut out but i i I think it, it, it to me it, it 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 they're all somewhat related. Of like I like that distance. I like a distance between me as an audience member and uh, and a piece of work um, and a creative. 
have you uh so you you mentioned that you you were an english teacher i mean you're obviously having some success with your books and everything like uh in, in movies and things like that have you considered like kind of going back to it at all just in any in like a in like a co night college capacity or like something like like did you like it enough for you to do it on the side again i love teaching i love yeah. teaching i don't um i love the act of teaching mm -hmm. i like like you said like night college i don't know like that age range that it, whether i'd like it as much like i like like for my first few years teacher or my first year teaching i was like i was i was teaching ap english to 11th graders and i was also like because i was only teaching that class and there were like only two sections of that class they couldn't keep me full time unless i was like also the in-building sub so like oh. i would i would like i would like bring the um uh the front desk i would like bring them donuts and be like hey if you need two subs today put me with the older kids because there was like middle school in it too where i was like i had a very like you know the 11th and 12th graders I could hang with and talk with and have like kind of real conversations with, um, any older than that, I feel like you're probably gonna, you're, when you're getting into college, you're probably like not, not as fun to talk to. And any younger than that, you're like, just a classroom manager becomes a thing. You're not as fun to talk to you. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know that I'd ever go back to being uh, a high school English teacher. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I like writing more. <laughs> yeah. Were you reading along with a, a certain book with the class and then discussing it and then grading essays? Were you uh, grading like creative writing pieces at all? Like anything? No like creative writing. I never taught creative writing. I was a, I was a straight up English teacher. I, I, I taught a few, few electives in my time in different schools. I taught um, I taught a horror and sci-fi class once, which yeah, was killer. awesome because I got to build my own um, curriculum. And the school had money, so they were just like, they didn't have any of these books. And I was just like, all right, let's buy yeah, a, you really know buy cool. 30 copies of i am legend let's let's do this you know buy 30 copies of ursula kayla Gwynn's on the lathe of heaven like uh stuff like that like which was you know fun for me as a um genre enthusiast but um i think fun for the kids too because they liked reading those books um so that kind of stuff you know it was, it was typical english teacher stuff you know did hamlet a couple times did macbeth a couple times like uh, macbeth rocks yeah I, uh it's funny I, I have such a vivid memory of being in, in sixth grade and um my is my favorite english teacher of all time was in sixth grade and uh we read something wicked this way comes by ray bradbury and i really i think i would credit like i mean there's all kinds of different things i would credit with uh, getting me into reading but i think her enthusiasm for bradbury was pretty yeah. pretty instrumental yeah. honestly like i mean that i think that something wicked this way comes was probably the first like more grown up i guess book uh that i had read that, uh, that there was an encouragement from the this this kind of like more uh no more knowledge kind of authority figure um for me to keep engaging the way that i was yeah uh, and it was i don't think and I, I probably would have you know stumbled through onto the same path i'm on now but i think that um i was i started reading for pleasure much more after that and so yeah. like yeah it must be cool to be that figure and like i'm sure you're responsible for plenty hey, of. hey i'd like to like, think i am I, yeah. I hope so but it's like it's that idea of like it, it, i had those english teachers in my life too and i think i i think i think there's you know despite what the world will tell you there's so much value in being able to look at media like this and 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 and, and think about it and 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 admit when you enjoy things and admit when you don't enjoy things and see why you don't and think critically about things like it's it you know, it's the reason I was a teacher. Like, I think it's, I think it's, and I think as, as a readers and writers, we all have that, that moment too, where something clicked and we're like, I like this book with this teacher for this reason. And I was encouraged in my reading journey, like, because of that. Um, so like, I, I, 
you know, I, I hope one or two of the kids I taught like has that, you know, fondness for, you know, for the things that I assign, but we'll see. <laughs> What's next for you? What have you, what else have you got going on? You've got the vampire thing that you mentioned. Uh, you've got the, can you tell us more about the clown in a cornfield movie? Uh, if I don't know what the rules are about uh, that, I can't. I, I I like. I feel like we're so close to being able to talk about it and and, sure, and say yeah. things about it. I I can only say that like my when people used to ask me before, and who knows, I, I might have even said it on the other podcast because one of my bits is one of the things I said. Like when people are like, "Oh man, it's gonna be a movie." Like when you get like a you know you get like a, a Hollywood Reporter announced or a Variety announced, everyone's like, "Oh, it's gonna be a movie." It's like you know how many. Hollywood Reporter articles there are about movies that just never exist like so like my my bit used to be I don't believe any movies are real until I've walked out of the theater having seen it um and I do still say that I think I think you know there's I've I've literally written I've literally written a movie that I'm I'm unsure is ever coming out so like uh so it's like and, and it's been produced and it was like shot and stuff like that oh, wow. so like like so like I think there's I think there's still a healthy amount of skepticism where you can be like just because the movie's like in the can doesn't mean it's coming out. But I will, what I will say about the Clown of Cornfield movie is it's way more real, or I feel way more real about it than a, you know, an announce or an article or the things that you can Google easily about it. So I'll just say that. And cool. that, and, yeah. that, and that I, I have all the faith in the world in them. I haven't, I haven't seen one frame of footage. I just know that I feel pretty good. I, I'm like, okay, these people are doing this for, in a, in a way that they want to make a good movie. Um, so like, uh, there's that. Um, and then what's next? Um, I guess really after influencer, um, the next thing, the hype, because it's up for pre-order now already, which is, it's crazy to say when it's like almost a year away, but it's next August, uh, Clown of the Cornfield three, uh, the church of Frendo, which I'm amazed we were able to use that subtitle. It was like one email back and forth where my editor was like, you sure you don't want to just use cult of Frendo? And I was like, no let's go church and then that was like that was it like you know like that was, that was the that was the extent of the discussion and it was like okay and then you know uh you could see you can go google the um the cover right now it's on my website it's on amazon um and it looks awesome it looks cover. like a book called clown of the cornfield three church of friendo it sure does um um and so like i it's, writing sequels is such a weird thing and it was when video night came out and when video night was maybe like when i was like maybe three novels in um, and, and video night was still the one that people liked the most. I, I would constantly get like, cause video night ends a little ambiguous, ambiguous, not to me, but it ends a little ambiguous. And people were always like, well, when are you going to do a sequel to video night? And it's just nothing like it never crossed my mind. You know what I mean? Like it was never like an intention. And then, cause I just, what I was just like, I don't know that I'm a series guy. I don't know that I want to do mm. book. And then when finishing the first clown in the cornfield book, I, I, I deliberately because it's what you do in a slasher i uh, you know i did a little stinger of like this may not be over the end yeah. question mark like i wrote a little epilogue <laughs> the end question and people mark. yeah people people got really pissed at that like they were like oh it's a blatant setup for a sequel and i was like that's just what you do in a slasher like this is like i i was under no i was like this is my first book with harper harper collins like this is uh, i get to do this once probably like was my kind of thought um, writing cl the first Clown of Cornfield. So it was not written with the intention of like, oh, I'll definitely be turning this into a series. But it was just kind of a happy, you know, happy set of circumstances that people read and liked it and won the Bram Stoker Award and it got all these nice reviews and blurbs and stuff like that. And it just really resonated with people. But it felt so natural mm. to keep writing 
sequel, like a, to, to write a sequel. And it's just a, that weird thing where I turned from like a, I don't think I'm interested in sequels guy to like, I've already been on podcasts and I, I was just, when I was in Telluride, I did a, um, I did a panel on the Jeremy Robert Johnson, who's a wonderful writer, but he had introduced me on the, the panel as, Oh, and, you know, and, and the, you know, the third and final clown in the cornfield book to end the clown trilogy, clown, you know, clown in the cornfield three church of friend. I was going, I was like, I like literally stopped him in the middle of his introduction. I was like, it's not a trilogy. Like I didn't, I didn't yeah, say that. No one said like, that. I, I don't want to write. I, 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 I I love the world and the character so much that I would, I, I, I definitely would want to do four and, and who, who knows after, after four, but so like, I, I'm so like, I went from like a never, never serious guy to like, I, I love it so much. And part of the reason I love it is not, is because it forces you to, it forces you to think about what you did in other books. It's like, we talked about this idea of writing as a, you know, a body of work and writing it as a, as a continuum of someone's career is like, no, these characters have like literally been through things that need to carry through. And you, you, you're, you're setting down obstructions for yourself because you don't want to repeat yourself and you don't want to put them in the same situations and you don't want the, the themes or the, um, you have to write separate books. You know what I mean? Like you have to write things that you're not just doing the same thing over and over again. And I love that. I absolutely love the, the stricture, the restriction that puts on me as a writer and me, causes me to up my game so like i think three i like i think two is better than one and i think three is better than two and it's just through dent of like of like i've been in this world a while and now i i can't do certain things with these characters and i have to think of better Mm -hmm. things to do with them and like i love that i absolutely like i love the the feeling of that i love the revisiting these characters but making them different and making like there there there's you know there's there's a time gap between each book so it's like watching them grow and watching them change um, and watching the world change around them is like so edifying and interesting to me um, that like, and we can get so far afield because clown three is like the first clown in the cornfield book is a pretty starts it, like at least the first half of it is a pretty traditional slasher. Like girl moves to a small town has to deal with like culture shock and there's a slasher happening. Um, and like if you, if you, if you skipped it and you just started reading three, you'd be like, this is a, wait a second, this is a revenge, 70s tinged revenge road novel? Like, you'd be so like, you'd be so like, what What did this series start as? And I'm like, that's, I love, that's what I love about it is that it's kind of carte blanche to be so different um, within this world. Uh, that's, uh, sorry, Ramble, but no, but no. people should pre-order that right now because yeah. pre-orders Go really pre-order. help because I would, because I would, because I would love to, I would, four is not a foregone conclusion. As much as I say, like, I want to do four and I'm emailing my editor all the time. Well, in four, we'll do this. <laughs> they, they have to actually they have to actually sell books he's like he's like okay you're putting the cart in front of the horse adam like um so so please read it so i can keep um telling myself these stories it's so cool how you're mentioning that you had to um you know change it up every book but also you did strike a certain tone uh and aesthetic i would say with those books too so yeah you got to keep that up too though you know what i mean Which oh yeah is, yeah it, it, so there's a lot a... that you have to there's a lot that you have to consider and it's also like you can't it can't be completely disconnected you know it's right, like it's exactly. that idea of it yeah. has to it has to feel of a piece it has to feel like a cloud of cornfield book and you're it didn't exist what a cloud of cornfield book was that before so i have to like you know set myself like aesthetic goals and like and and be like well what is what fits in this world what fits with these characters to do um which I love. It's just fun. It's 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 the kind of stuff that you don't get to do when you're writing standalone novels. Well, Adam, you're out here writing some really awesome, really exciting books, man. And I'm so excited to keep reading the stuff that you keep putting out. And 
Like, I'm just Thank excited you. for you. Like, I'm so happy for you that you've got all these things that are working out for you. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's a, it, it goes both ways, man. We were talking a little off mic and sure, you've, got, yeah. you've got some exciting, exciting stuff going on and I'm so happy for you. And I'm, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, you, you want good things to happen for good people and, and folks that you in, admire and enjoy. So like, I, I, I'm, you've got that going on and I'm very excited for you, man. Hell yeah. That, that really means a lot. Everybody that's listening right now, seriously, Clown in a Cornfield is such an awesome book. The second one is even better and I'm almost done with Influencer now. I put it on last night and I stayed up too late listening to it. Like it really, nice. there's some really cool <laughs> stuff happening in these well, books. Well, check the locks uh, in your house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I live on a, a, a third story walk up with only one entrance. So I feel safe, but uh, I was also, <laughs> I was reading Salem's Lot the other night and I was expecting someone to tap on my window. Oh, they come out the window too yeah. ah, but i have to invite them in so at least if, with the, with that specific lore but yeah everybody seriously i'll put all the links to adam's stuff in the description as always adam seriously thank you so much for coming back on and thank we'll you love to have you back you. again oh yeah oh yeah well in august we'll talk we'll talk clowns we will yeah oh, i'll be here for the clowns cool. well, everybody again thank you so much for listening hope you have an awesome rest of your day and of course happy reading